Hello, and welcome to a brand new podcast, which will hopefully become a regular series. We don't have a firm title for this podcast yet, so if you have any suggestions, feel free to leave them as comments when this goes live. As always, I'm your host, LB, and uh, joining me is my co-host, CT. Hi there. So the idea behind this podcast is listing. While neither of us particularly enjoy ranking anime that we've seen over the years, we have seen enough titles from different genres and categories that we can list them all day long, though. So the topic for today's episode is anime that we enjoy but would have trouble recommending to casual anime fans. And I'd like to give a special hat tip to Twitter user at Rangorik uh, for the topic suggestion. Now, when we say casual anime fans, here's our definition. Basically, casual refers to someone who only has a couple of years or a couple of dozen anime series or less under their belts. And... Please keep in mind that all of the series that we list are in no particular order. So with that said, let's go ahead, let's start with some honorable mentions. For you, what are some series that you've enjoyed over the years, but would have trouble recommending, but you couldn't find space for them within your within your top five? Hmm. Well, I didn't precisely line them up by way of top five. I had things that came to mind but I sort of congealed them around the reasons why. And uh, I tended to build, what is it, the alternatives in the reason category. So uh, that'll that'll become sort of apparent as we get to mine. So I'm going to leave them off of a list of ones that didn't show up and bring them up as we get to each selection. But, okay, uh, that works. You can mention it. You're right. Yeah, I do have one honorable mention because I have my five that I have my reasons for why I couldn't recommend them to someone who's more of a casual fan. Uh, But I have a sixth title that I couldn't find space for it on my list, but I definitely wanted to bring it up. Um, And that would be the entire Monogatari series. (laughs) Uh, the Monogatari series is one that I love. I haven't gotten through all 80 billion parts of it, but this is definitely not a series that I would recommend to someone who's just getting started with anime, mostly because of the constant cuts, the subject matter can be a little let's say, interesting at times. But yeah, the general pacing of it also as well is tends to be a little off the wall. The visuals, just a lot of th- small things put together just would make this difficult for me to say that someone who's just getting started in anime or only has a few titles in their belt, under their belts, probably wouldn't get into it nearly as much as someone who's been watching this for years and years. That's certainly one of the titles that would have, or well, series that, uh, that does become a challenging recommend, um, for the reasons you mentioned. And it was going to be one of mine. If I picked a, uh, stylistic challengingness, category. That was sort of my sixth waffling category. I went with other ones that uh, make it a bit more personal than that, but obviously it's like, uh, it it feels like, you know, are you going to recommend a Wes Anderson film, or do you really just talk about it with people who've already discovered and enjoy Wes Anderson films, because his films are such a particular kind of filmmaking that it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't really recommend them to people. It's just people get to them and we share our enjoyment of them. And there are a lot of directors that may come across that way uh, in anime as well. Uh, so from a stylistic perspective, Monogatari is definitely very challenging. But in some ways, it's because of the challenge that I specifically go out of my way to try to get people who I don't know how they'll react to do it. It's a fairly prominent, it looms large in the community. 
So I think that's one of those things where the community impact kind of overrides when I might attempt to recommend it uh, to people. And also, frankly, there have been a lot of people who who still pick it up and and love it, uh, a surprising number of people who are new to it. So it it doesn't end up on my top list, but there there are definitely a lot more considerations uh, for it. Uh, Yeah, Monogatari is one of those series uh, where my wife will occasionally pop up with vague interest in checking it out because she's heard so much about the series over the years. But then I remind her that it has the same studio and the same uh, director as Madoka Magica. And that is enough to remind her that, oh, yes, that's right. I don't like him. Uh, well, that that's the reason that for a lot of people, I will go out of my way because... Uh, there, you know, there there are a lot of people I've gotten into Shaft specifically through Madoka Magica or Sangatsu No Lion. So I will, I will actually use those as an attempt to get them into uh, at least trying out Monogatari as well. For some friends, I tried uh, to get them when the Kizu Monogatari series uh, uh, of movies has been in going around in theaters i'm like you guys haven't watched a whole lot lately you haven't watched this at all it would be interesting to trial you as go into the series with the movies which are chronologically first and of course quality wise a level beyond due to them being movies as opposed to uh, a tv series or in fact web series some of them are but uh they they did not bite but uh but I will go out of my way to to try for people just to see because there's a particular particular interest within the community and and for me specifically that uh, that that I'll I'll be a little bit more of a pusher on this. Actually, that leads me to one thing before we get into our full picks. I, I think I wanted to bring up a couple caveats. I did not use uh, things like. You know, like series availability, that's one of the things that, you know, is a limiting factor for us with Expanding Horizons and is a limiting factor for people to get to a thing. Uh, In this case, I was not using it as a consideration simply because, well, we all know that if you want to get something bad enough, you can get to something bad enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... It, it'll have some impact and on one of the series. It, it is a factor, but I didn't want to make it an overriding one. I'm not sure if that factored into any of yours. I guess we'll, we will see. Um, I had a second caveat that now my brain is blanking on. Oh, uh, specifically because of Monogatari, you know, I just wanted to say that the, none of the things that I'm going to mention are things that I simply wouldn't. Of course, if I really like something, I'm going to recommend it to people, even if they might be more casual, if there's an entry point. If I like it well enough, I'm going to proselytize almost anything that I love. Uh, So even to the more casual fans, if they get into the neighborhood, I still may push something in particular. But generally speaking, these are ones that just won't, you know, really come to mind. You know, they they don't light a fire under them. I don't I don't put it in a normal recommendation list. I don't really leave them as consideration. But of course, there's nothing that will be a no recommend entirely because that's you know, usually the whole reason we enjoy stuff uh, also means we want to share them with people. So. There will yeah, always I mean, be that drive behind, I'm, I'm sure, for your list as well. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, there's nothing on my list that I would 100%, you know, say, don't watch this if you are a casual fan. There's If 
they're if they're in the neighborhood and they're looking for something along these lines, then yeah, I will recommend them. But they're not going to be my go-to. Okay, do. Yeah. So with that said, let's go ahead. Let's get into our main lists. Uh, starting with the series that you placed at number five, and like I said, none of the neither of our lists are in any particular order. So feel free to randomly pick from your list if you desire. But what would be your first series that you would have trouble recommending to a casual fan? Okay. The way I get around to this one is, in fact, playing off uh, a recent podcast that we had, wherein I discover that even something personally meaningful uh, to me, to someone who has, you know, watched a thousand series and is not a newbie at all, uh, still may not go swimmingly. Uh, so the, the reason is just I am uh, an old hat, so anything that is too old, it's almost just a general category that it's just really hard. I, I've kind of given up. There, Every once in a while, I'll see someone who actually goes back uh, to older stuff, but as with most people, and as with anyone who's kind of casual these days, I can't think of a you know 40-plus-year-old just starting out being a casual anime fan at this point who'd be like, oh, yes, I... I enjoyed cartoons from the 80s as well. So I did not pick Orange Road, but that's what led me into this particular thing, the older titles and the aesthetic. I was thinking, I mean, there's a movie I love, uh, Dirty Pair Project Eden, that, you know, it, it's just... <laughs> it's kind of a madcap uh, 80s aesthetic music video, uh, uh, you know, sci-fi James Bondian romp. Uh, and I love it dearly, but I don't think too many people are, are going to go into Dirty Pair at this point. But what I actually picked uh, for a couple other reasons is uh, the, the alternate title I was going to use for you in our last e Expanding Horizons, which is Yawara. That's a series that you know, was back in 89, early 90s. Uh, so it carries a lot of the oldness and aesthetic. But other things about it, um, whereas Orange Road or a similar title that was popular at the same time as Yohara, uh, Ranma, which will get mentioned more times uh, <laughs> as this podcast progresses, it did not seem to be foundational to things. Like... Yuar is a great series, but I don't think it had a huge amount of influence either on the community or on the U.S. fandom, because it really wasn't present when the fandom was building. Uh, it's very long. It's a long series at 124 episodes, I believe, and a, uh, and a movie, so the commit is large. The availability is bad, so the translations are here. That's where it comes slightly into play. But uh, And for the most part, you know, the pacing is very much... You either have to really want exactly the same thing and be fully into her as a character from the beginning uh, to watch the whole thing. It's a, it's a long ride. There's not a whole lot of change that goes on. It's just kind of a fun romp if you like it, but I can't see how to sell it to people these days, and certainly not to a, a casual who probably hasn't delved much into the sports area anyway. Maybe they'll maybe they'll have picked up some romance stuff, but more along the lines of uh, your Toradoras, uh, sports-wise, maybe your haikus and stuff like that. It, it does not seem like the... Uh, uh, you know, the sports and, and romance uh, drama of a fashionable judo girl is going to catch fire uh, to to anyone casual or even deep these days. So it makes me sad, but that's uh, that's where I'm starting at. All right. Yeah, no, I can totally understand that. I never got into Yuara. I never had the opportunity. And even if I really was searching for something to watch, it wouldn't be my first thing to go to. 
Probably so, not. <laughs> but along those same lines, I'm actually, my first pick for a series that I would have trouble recommending is, I'm choosing it for s- kind of similar reasons. I'm choosing it because it's really long and it has a read the manga ending, uh, and that would be Space Brothers. <laughs> I love the series to death. You know that I do. It's just 99 episodes. It has an ending that just forces you to go back to the source material, which, you know, at that point, you probably should have done it from the beginning anyway. So, yeah, so that's my first pick is Space Brothers, simply just because of 99 episodes for Go Read the Manga. Length was almost one of those things where I I would make it a category, but there are very few things that hit the 100 range that I've actually watched. Uh, Yawara is one of them. Space Brothers is one of them. Uh, Urusei Atsura is one of them. But even even with length being a factor, you know, other things had more of a, a factor. Space Brothers is at least present enough in the community that... You know, it seems like something that people will at least see and hear a little bit about, whereas mm-hmm. Yawara is so ancient that you have to find people with a specific kink for for classic uh, shows and classic anime. Yeah. Um, now, my experience with Space Brothers is different, and this might come in if we... I know we said for the anime casual, and that was to avoid, uh, what is it, running into the block of, I have watched no anime, what do you recommend to get someone who has watched zero anime into anime? I I figure Uh that's a a good topic for another time, so one reason to have avoided the the complete uh, unfamiliar one. But I have used Space Brothers successfully... I have seen it, you know, I got a friend in California into it. She got all of her kids to watch it. Her four-year-old was spellbound watching, uh, uh, you know, the antics of of Muta and uh, rockets launching and other stuff. So I have not, not only more drive because it is my favorite series, but also I've seen it do more. So I definitely, I am not held up saying I would be challenged for it uh, because anything that's appreciably long, Chihaya Furu is pretty long, especially because it has two more cores coming out now. It's getting up there. I, I'm not t- one reason I didn't pick length as the category is simply because it's not like you need to invest all of it to get a, an appreciable amount out of the show. It's not like a Final Fantasy title where, well, don't worry, after 30 hours it gets good. Oh, <laughs> which I've heard people describe 13 like it. it's still about there's just a lot of content if you enjoy it enough. So I don't I don't think length is a driving factor for me as much because the whole point is if they get into it, if they love the series after the first five episodes, then they're ecstatic that they have 100 at that point. Uh-huh. Maybe they get out of it, but it, it gives them rule, room to spool out. So series that don't require, you know, the full commitment to get everything. Like there's not a, if it's an experiential ride rather than a comprehensive story that, you know, you need the entire narrative to, uh, to, to really sync everything together and put it together. So I've always wondered, you know, just how much of that uh, is there for, say, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, which... Is another one that would probably categorize similarly over here. It's a, it's a big commit, but you know, do you need to get around to the end to pull everything together? Possibly, but yeah, I can, I can certainly see the reasons. Uh, I am not encumbered by them in this case, especially for Space Brothers, which I proselytize to literally everyone, (laughs) and you have witnessed this. Yes. So, all right. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead. Let's keep things rolling. Uh, what would you say is what you pick for your number four slot? Uh, well, the second category, I figure this will probably be somewhat common in all of our picks, which is just simply something that's 
very personal to you in a way that is not generally shared by newer people, even even by older ones, and just like a specific uh, kink. But in this case, referring to humor specifically, because there are a lot of series where, you know, the humor is very subjective, obviously, and I can find something amazingly funny and you cannot. Uh, we share a love of Excel Saga. Uh, yes. As far as I remember, but not for something like Arakawa Under the Bridge. Uh, for me, there are a couple series that I particularly enjoy, like uh, Magical Shopping District Abinabashi or Hare and Goo, uh, which I never recommend to people because it, you know, they're they're older, they're not you know ancient, so it's not a classic thing. But again, it's just kind of like unless they're somewhere in the area already, it's not going to come to mind. But actually, the specific one I'm picking. For for this purpose is it's an outlier because it's actually very new, very recent, and it had a bunch of episodes, but I see no one talking about it. And I figure it's because it, it has the uh, uh, entire attach it. You have to really love Rumiko Takahashi. So the series I'm picking for this is uh, Rene. So she had 40 volumes of Rene. I've never seen anyone really talking about it. Uh, I find Takahashi's humor to be very uh, uh, personally enjoyable, uh, but you don't get a lot, ne- a lot of it necessarily through Inuyasha, which would be for a casual fans. Even now, they'd be at least marginally familiar with it. For people who are slightly uh, older, it was actually loomed pretty large. It had a good run out here. A lot of people love Inuyasha. But that didn't translate into her very next series as a thing people liked. Uh, it doesn't have the combat elements of uh, even a Ranma one half, certainly not Inuyasha. Uh, but there, there is a particular warmth and enjoyment and enjoyment to it, and, uh, you know, it's definitely got absurdist humor, but there's a lot of dryness and weird pacing and oddball things that usually when people are watching a comedic anime, you don't really have present. Uh, You have certain characters that are like, you know, the conflicts aren't terribly serious. Uh, I guess that's more common with comedies anyway, but... uh, when, you know, a win for the main character is he got to have a delicious meal, he he's more comfortable for the next week instead of uh, being a destitute poor, <laughs> poor Shinigami. Uh, you know, the, the wins for the character, the enjoyment, everything about it uh, I love because, uh, you know, every... I, I'm just wrapped up in Takahashi's Takahashi-isms, but I don't think that gets anywhere in the community. Like I said, I've I've never even seen it. Even though it pl- had three long seasons in recent years, I've really seen no one talking about it. Uh, the manga, as far as I could tell, never really left an impact. So it's not a presence in the community, even though it's modern. Uh, and I think the way that you get to it is through a history with the author and just being very interested in her particular humor. So I remember when that series was first announced, everyone was so excited because it was going to get simul published in Japan and English at the same time. So everyone was all psyched. It's like, yay, we get a new Takahashi series and it's going to be simul pubbed and la da 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 da. And then like, Three weeks later, yeah, it was radio silence. Nobody cared. <laughs> so I remember that. And even I was kind of excited at the time about it because I, I missed it in Yuyasha Train. I didn't watch it growing up. I didn't, So I didn't have this deep connection to the author. But 
I remember when they first announced that, I was excited. I was like, okay, well, this is my chance. I'll get introduced to her work. I'll, I'll have an in and things will be cool. And I tried and yeah, I just could not get into it for <laughs> the life of me. And uh, it, it's kind of funny. I was even more looking forward to it because I was spiteful towards Inuyasha because I did not enjoy her dip into the more hard, you know, shonenism. Obviously, Ranma was very shonen, but it was much more dedicated to the weird humor bits uh, and other jankiness, whereas Inuyasha was much more of a battle manga kind of thing. Uh, so I I very quickly got out of Inuyasha, but I have a huge love for Ranma and Takahashi in general. I've been yelling at Viz for years to make a uh, signature re-release of Mice and Koku, which is coming, but, uh, you know, took a damn long while. <laughs> <laughs> which is my gold standard for, like, series ending and r romance endings. Uh so yes, I had a I had a real uh, particular desire for for Rene, but yeah, and so there there's a specific quality that I love out of it, which was just sort of her congealed humor elements. But uh, obviously, that doesn't translate out, and it, it's the kind of thing where even when you're considering it, like you know, it. it a simple, a nice comedy, a simple shonen thing, a, a kind of goofy romance thing. There are many ways that you could treat it, but it wouldn't ever come to mind for me to suggest to someone, especially in light of no one saying anything about it from the manga release to the anime release to, to anything. It's, it's just kind of there and gone. So... That actually brings, and um, that actually is a nice segue into my second pick because my second pick I chose for a similar reason. It's because the comedy is so otaku heavy that, and or so Japan cultural heavy that if you're just a casual fan who haven't watched you know a bunch of series or even you know just a few of the blockbusters from the last couple of decades mm -hmm. that most of the humor is going to go over your head and so that would be lucky star huh. i was going to stop you and say let me guess are you going to say lucky star Yes, Lucky Star, I love the series to death once again, but I actually have experience with trying to show this to someone who was a casual fan, and I was sitting on the couch busting a gut, and they were staring at me like I was a loon. <laughs> And it's like, but it's funny. I swear, I promise, if you go <laughs> I swear, watch... I swear it's hilarious. Yeah, if you go watch, you know, a hundred series or so that, and you understand all the references, then it's really funny. But yeah, that was not a good recommendation experience for me. So yeah, no, I can see it. And amusingly, my next category was uh, let my pick wasn't led, but Lucky Star is one of the things that I'm mentioning on my way to my pick. So if we. Uh, if we're moving on to that one. I've always found the phrase slice of life to be a weird tag when used with, with anime, because a lot of things get tagged as slice of life. That's it just kind of weird. It is really hard to define slice of life. Like, why, why aren't sports things slice of life? Well, it has an overriding tag, but how is Space Brothers slice of life? I mean, you're taking a slice of life of, of, of yes, and an astronaut, that's, that's a very common thing we've all experienced. <laughs> I've gone through plenty of astronaut training. So yeah, it gets bandied about a bit. But for things that are pure slice of life, uh, you could call it the, you know, wherein nothing happens shows. Lucky Star was one of those things. It, it obviously also had a particular humor angle. And I've certainly seen the same thing where wherein there's a certain brain that just shuts down when experiencing the beginning. Half of the first episode is them talking about how to eat a chocolate cornet 
Yeah. So, you know, they... <laughs> I am highly entertained by this. I have one friend who, who, who she loves it, of course. Uh, I, I don't know if it's one of her favorite series, but uh, she adores the series. And then uh, uh, another friend who in is like, uh, and, uh, you know, that that would be one of his uh, least likely to want to invest anything in. And I have a feeling that for most casual fans and other stuff, the sale of the Nothing Happens shows is is kind of a hard one generally. What What is it that brings you into anime that sends you down the path wherein you would appreciate a lucky star, even if it didn't have so much internal otaku bait culture references? So let's say something like Azumanga Daio, where... Uh, you don't really need any of the internal stuff. It's not being meta. It's uh, obviously you, you can get very quickly familiar with uh, school, just Japanese school life, and that maybe you can enjoy the humor. But again, what what is it that they kind of do day to day? It's it's weird little things. Now, if I find Yotsuba a hard recommendation. Because there's no anime, and I'm still very, very angry about this. Join uh, the club. Oh my god, I would recommend that to everyone in the universe. Even though it absolutely qualifies for this category, the overriding amazingness of it would make me do it. <sighs> Sorry, very sad. Yeah, uh, no, I hear you. I would I would give vital parts of my anatomy to have a Yotsuba anime. <laughs> but what headlines this category and is my uh, uh, series in this case is uh, it almost feels like a cheat because it it seems like it has enough community prominence uh, but I settled on uh, non non biori really uh, which is that and that's kind of what I mean it, it feels a little bit like a cheat because I think it's prominent enough for a lot of people that it becomes a a hard sale. You could probably argue, I mean, you can certainly argue that Lucky Star is harder for people to enjoy the humor of because of the other elements, but No Nom Biori is one of those things that, like, even less happens than normal. The whole cute girls doing cute things subgenre, you know, I guess is large enough that you can use that as an entry point for a lot of people, so that there are many roads that can get you there. But in my mind, it's just, it's simply like an aesthetic experience. It is a, uh, a bucologasm. It's, <laughs> it's simply enjoying experiencing your childhood that you never had in a countryside that you probably never visited uh, <laughs> through the lens of these uh, weird little girls. But it contains one of my favorite episodes in the entirety uh, uh, of anime. I don't know if uh, you want to guess which one that would be. I couldn't even begin to guess which one is it. Okay. It's season one, episode 10. It is the episode where we get uh, Renge as a baby and how Candy Store gets involved, why they have this kind of personal connection. She, uh, you know, is babysitting for her and other stuff. Uh, they go hiking up the mountain to experience the, new, the first sunrise of the new year. Uh-huh. Uh, that episode. I just adore that. It, it is, but it's a, it's such a particular type of thing that feels so anti why people get into anime and what they pursue when they begin that it feels like this one is much more of a, I don't, I wouldn't recommend to casuals sort and again, the caveat is if they're already in that direction, I'm I'm going to. But it just feels like it's so far down the path of things that don't interest people about anime, <laughs> <laughs> and where the the overall joy of experiencing in it, I think, comes from a a, a very non-standard direction. So it it feels like something that I'm not going to unless. I already know 
wherein they're they're going to go. I'll I'll push it here and there, but it it feels like a uh, it feels like a a harder uh, sale. At least it doesn't come to mind. I don't push a lot of that kind of stuff unless people are specifically coming to me with with series they've already shown interest in there. And then it's a prominent example, which is why I said it feels kind of half like a a cheat because it's prominent enough. I know it's popular enough and it's obviously well-regarded enough, but, uh, but for the casual, it doesn't feel like it feels very far down a specific path that I don't think is a place where you want to start them. It's, it's the place for them to eventually get to, uh, as they wander down this, you know, brightly lit summer weather path to go sit under a uh, cherry blossom tree and uh, a- and eat onigiri. <laughs> yeah, I mean that all makes perfect sense to me. I I was a little taken aback when you first said it, but your explanation does make perfect sense to me. So for me, my next series that I chose for number three, this is a series where my caveat for this series is that I would say at the time that I watched it, I would have recommended it to people because it was just kind of fun. Then the second season happened, and (laughs) yeah, I just, and after that, I could not recommend it to a casual fan simply because of all the incest overtones, and that would be, or or, it would be Ori Emo. Okay, well, I can, I can certainly see that. I was waiting for, uh, you know, the, a content warning sort of, uh sort of thing. I, I think there might be others in that direction that are uh, a bit more uh, siren alarms, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that... or, or, or Emo, the thing is with it, is that I really liked the first season. I really, I enjoyed it. I thought that it mm-hmm. was a fun show at the time and i remember being on a podcast arguing with one of the hosts because they were convinced oh it's just gonna be an incest series and <laughs> i and i argue no it's a cute little just show about a brother and his bitchy sister and then the second season happened and i had to eat my words there was a little bit of eating going on uh yes well uh I I was uh, uh, saved by Saori being best girl, so uh, <laughs> there, there there wasn't any uh, you know problematic relationships going that way. Yeah, I know that there there's kind of a, a way people try to sell the ultimate ending of it, and even if there is something to even if there's something more deep about it, the way that it came across. It's like, well, you, you didn't present it in a, a you know a, a kind of meaningful way uh, thing. I don't, I don't think it's people reading into it as much, like the whole Tsuguha Kirito thing from Sword Art Online. I think people make way more about it than is uh, than is there. But uh, Oremos, even if you don't think it's very explicit, consider the very next goddamn series the author to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, I think if you go if you go to Aramanga Sensei and you, whoo, yeah, it's a which know, by the way was a series that I could I could not finish. I could not finish Aramanga Sensei. I tried like two or three times. <laughs> I'm not sure if you abandoned it once that it was worth trying again. I did go through it in the they couldn't possibly outdo how far they went the previous episode, comma, could they? Question mark. <laughs> so it was one of those things where it, it's such a weird form of train wreck that you can't look away. Uh, <laughs> like it, It's just going so far over the top that I'm like, all right, well, it, it has to back off at some point, right? No. No, it does not. <laughs> It had a cute ending, though. So, and by well, that I mean that's... ED. Okay. 
not not ending of the uh, core. I don't even remember what happened. I, I try to I try to push it off. I have vague impressions of it, but uh, some things are are better left uh, unsaid. So that one that one doesn't qualify. One of my possible categories would, of course, be like the overt fan service uh, etchy sort of thing. So maybe that'll. Uh-huh. Maybe that'll be coming for you, but I did not make that one of my categories. It it felt like it's a little bit too easy. And again, it's the kind of thing where you kind of don't recommend it, that sort of thing, to most people, unless they've already come to you and said, oh yeah, I, I love High School of the Dead. And then you're like, okay, well, the door is now unlocked for all of these <laughs> things you will enjoy. <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> the, the next category that I'm doing is, uh, amusingly, it's all movie-related. The Challenging Path In. So the first one I'm using as an example, but is a very light one. Uh, for instance, you know, there's a very particular aesthetic to the recent movie Liz and the Bluebird. Uh, and there's probably reasons that I would recommend it to people who maybe don't watch TV or wouldn't, or or don't, you know, they they're only newly coming to something, and maybe you want to give them movies. It's a it's a much easier way in uh, for most people, but you can enjoy it to a degree. But you really need Hibike Euphonium seasons one and two to do it. Now I have no issues recommending this to even you know people who've only picked it up in the past few years. It's a prominent example. It's high quality. I will push people to make that sort of their exposure into that kind of anime. So uh, if I want them to get to Liz eventually, I'll just, you know, push them down UFO. And if they love it, then that's great. But similarly, let, let's say I have a particular enjoyment of the Sailor Moon R movie. Weirdly, I weirdly like to chat about people, uh, two people about the Sailor Moon R movie compared to the S movie, which is this strange dichotomy of really great and real crap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's also a way in to talk about uh, some of the director's stuff, uh, but uh, it, it's a, you need enough of a foundation that it's hard to get to these kinds of things. But it's a whole lot easier to recommend, even to new fans, give them Sailor Moon as a recommendation because it's, you know, it's an amazingly prominent title. It's older, but it's foundational. It's the most prominent magical girl thing. They have a whole, you know, genre of of stuff to which this is the most prominent element of it. It's not like it's hard to recommend Dragon Ball Z to someone or Sailor Moon to someone even today. Uh, they may not like it, but it's not something that you shy away from. But if we're if we're going further down this path, we're getting to like movies that are that not just require the source, but required in a different way. Uh, so, for instance, the Pat Labor second movie is real good movie, but it's really not like what came prior to it. Uh, and in part, that's, you know, Mamoru Oshii doing his stuff. So it, it comes off uh, feeling a lot more, you know, uh, intrigue-laden and psychological and slow-moving. There's not a whole lot of mech action. Uh, you know, the stakes are generally higher. It's a very interesting movie, but the path to it, it is hard, uh, especially because at the very end you have so you're you're trying to get to an experience that's a lot different than the way you get to it but part of the reason you'll enjoy it is specifically because of how different it is from the rest of of Pat Labor getting to it so i think the ultimate example of this challenging from all directions i don't know if you want to guess you may you may not it's a, it's a fairly older movie even still but age isn't part of it uh, in this case, it's uh, same director, so more, it's more Oshi. Uh, the Urusei Yatsura second movie, Beautiful Dreamer. Okay. Which is a great movie in so many ways. But you still really need to know what the show is about, and you need to appreciate the characters. It doesn't have the same... 
same sort of, it has the characters who sound the same and act the same, but in such a way that it's just very weird and very detached from the normal series. But you need that foundation to get to it. But Urusei Atsura itself is, you know, obviously even older, but it's much more madcap. Uh, it's a tremendously long series. Not that you need to watch all of it. You'd only really need to watch like a core of it to get a foundation enough if you wanted to. But one of the reasons that the second movie is so great is just thinking about what you went through to get there, even the first movie, for it and appreciating how different it is. Uh, uh, different enough that I'm pretty sure Takahashi didn't, you know, like it at all. Because <laughs> to her, it was not uh, Urusei Atsura. And I agree with that, but that's why it's so great. <laughs> so it ends up being like the best thing from the series that's completely unlike the series, but you still need to know the series to get there. So how do you recommend this thing? Uh, and, and again, that kind of exceeds the casuals uh, as much and even makes it challenging for me to say recommend to you. Uh, I, I think I can explain it to you in a fashion that, that you, st you might be intrigued enough to find your way over to it. But uh, in this case, how do you get there in general? And certainly, how do you get there to people who aren't interested in shows of that age, possibly of that type? And the whole reason to do it is to have a completely different experience. That feels like the ultimate example of the challenging way to get to it. So similarly, you were going to recommend a Soccer Awards movie to me. So that may have the same sort of feel. In this case, not that I wouldn't want to, but if you want me to watch the movie and I need the foundation, I just need to, you know, at least watch everything leading up to it first. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can totally see that. The Soccer Wars movie, it helps to have a foundation. I don't believe it's 100% required, but yeah, having any... Any anime movie that follows up after a TV series or an OVA series, you know, you it helps to have that foundation to really be able to enjoy it and get into it. Yeah. So a lot of these are kind of exceeding even just the recommending to a casual and are just hard recommends in general, uh -huh. <laughs> as I'm thinking about it. <clears throat> But I think the reason I'm pushing a lot of them is they're they're things that I that I specifically enjoy to a f much further degree uh, that makes them that makes the difficulty of recommending them uh, make it stand out. So all right, okay. So my next pick is another comedy series. This is one that it's not even that I wouldn't recommend this one to a casual fan, and it's not even that I wouldn't recommend it to an experienced anime fan. I would just, I would only be able to recommend this series to someone that I 100% knew would appreciate this style of comedy, and that would be Setokai Yakuin Domo. Okay. This is a series... I've actually read the manga. The manga is actually not that dirty. The <laughs> manga is not that raunchy. But for some reason, when they turned it into an anime, they took that raunchy factor that was only sort of present in the manga and ramped it up about a thousand percent. So this is just one of those shows where, I mean, if a casual fan displayed that they had this type of humor and they had this type of sense of humor and that they would appreciate you know sex jokes every five seconds then <laughs> i could see myself yeah recommending it to them but like i said in the beginning this it wouldn't be a go-to for me um, it would be a really tough there's really no one i can think of in my life that I can say, yeah, you should go watch this because you would enjoy it greatly. And <laughs> honestly, if I knew someone who had that sense of humor, I probably wouldn't be hanging around them very much. 
it's not that the show is bad. I did enjoy the show, but you know, after a little while, the shock value war- wears off, and it does get a little old. So, well, technically, we do live in a post Shimonetta world. So, uh... yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, but yeah, I... so Seijukai Yakuin Domo okay. is one of those shows that you know, like I said, I liked it. It was good enough, unless someone really enjoyed raunchy sex humor, I probably wouldn't recommend the show to them, like, at all. I'm not even going to mention the other thing. That My last pick is more... I, I don't even... I don't think it has precisely a, a bad reputation necessarily. I don't think it's a highly rated work, but it's one of those things that is such a right place, right time exposure that you're just pretty sure no one after, unless they're in the exact uh, circumstance that you happen to be when you uh, picked it up to begin with, it it feels like something that you just don't think people are going to attach to. Uh, For me, that's one work in particular, and I'll, I'll explain most of the details, but uh, if you were to think of a... What what do you think is the least watched Ghibli film? Or would, for almost anyone, probably be in, you know, the bottom three or the bottom five? Uh, if I had to choose the bottom of the barrel for Ghibli, that's hard to say, but I'd probably say something like Ponyo or Grave of the Fireflies or Tales Whoa. of Earthsea. Okay, Earthsea, I can see their Grave of the Fireflies being, man. Yeah, well, I mean, it's so unlike other Ghibli titles. It's really, it's heavy, it's a war story, it's yeah. not fantastical. No, that that's true. So, Probably I would put it at a bottom for people exposed to it, but I think the people who do pursue it, they pursue it for a reason, and it usually oh, yeah. affects. It usually affects them. So, uh, in in my case, uh, it, it's also it wasn't released theatrically. Uh, the director is not Miyazaki. It's uh, uh, you know not uh, Takahata. It's. Uh, uh, I, f- I even forget. Actually, wait a minute. Didn't we just do something with Tomomi Mochizuki? I think so. I don't remember. I was just going to recommend him. Oh, yes. the uh, uh, He did the KOR movie, I Want to Return to That Day, which you did not watch. But uh, So it's a weird connection here, and I, I, I can see that. So if we when we get back to certain things KOR related, this will have a wraparound effect. Uh, but in this case, it's uh, I, I got to it. It's Umiga Kikoeru, which I got to uh, when it was called I Can Hear the Sea, but these days is only known as Ocean Waves. Okay. So I don't know if you're even familiar with it. I think I've heard the title, but I honestly don't know anything about it. It's just a kind of high school romance. But when I got to it, this was the first thing that I think I could really define as slice of life in a realistic fashion. It's probably one of the first things that was actually just a, you know, romance, a more serious take on a romance, not these characters do uh, do a sex-soaring thing or have a romantic relationship. Um, so this was my first exposure to, like, just a... a <laughs> A simple high school romance. Stylistically, it was my first exposure to, hey, characters can actually kind of all look Japanese, as opposed to uh, the the wild-flung, uh, you know, sci-fi stylings and fantasy operas and, and other stuff that you're apt to get. Uh, so they, you know, they it, it did not have big eyes, small mouth uh, syndrome and other stuff. So the character designs were realistic. Everything that happened in it was realistic. It just covered a few years in high school and a, a sweet romantic tale. 
But part of it was I was in the high school. I was at exactly the right age to, you know, invest in these particular characters and this exact kind of story. And it was the found my foundational anime exposure to anything like that, which, which I almost didn't know existed uh, <laughs> in the medium uh, at the time. I, I still first got to it raw. So, you know, a, a lot of it, a lot of anime stuff is very weird when you don't know what they're saying, but uh, you can still get the the impact of uh, of everything from uh, uh, from from actions, from music, from you know the the visuals of it, and of course I would later pick up translations of it. But in in this case, it was just so tied to my experiences right there. And everything else about it is, you know, you barely know it exists. Uh, <laughs> almost no one, like most people, put it as a very bottom ranking in anything Ghibli related if they know it exists. I mean, I can see recommending it to to people, but it, it's a, it's a very simple form of a romance show that it you know, the, you have fantastic things like uh, Your Name at this point. You have uh, Torador. You have so many other prominent examples that for anyone getting to it, it's not like this would be a, oh, yes, no, you really must watch this unknown Ghibli <laughs> film from this unknown from this non-Ghibli understood director uh, telling this exceedingly uh, subdued uh, you know, romantic story in 70 minutes there, there with, with nothing even like visually striking to go against it. There's a lot of stuff that to me is very personal, but that that's why, you know, the whole, the whole circumstance around it means that there's a degree to which I love this uh, and will claim it to be my personally favorite Ghibli film. Even if I do not believe that it is the best Ghibli film, <laughs> and yet I'm I'm not going to recommend it to people. It it just it doesn't even come into mind. There's a Blu-ray out that it actually has the ability to be gotten to, but it just it, it, unless someone asks me about it specifically or is so close to it, it wouldn't even come to mind as a thing that I think people people would want, and certainly not uh, people who are are new enough to. Uh, to the thing, I, I would want to get them in the door for that kind of work in in more much more prominent ways. So, so by comparison, my last pick is way on the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> this like is another. <laughs> no, this is another series that even for horror fans, mm. the content within this series is just so twisted and bizarre that I can't imagine very many people seeking it out. Even experienced anime fans, I think, probably wouldn't seek it out. Uh, and that would be Happy Sugar Life. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you... You seem to really take to that show when it was uh, going weekly. Yeah, Happy Sugar Life is just so bizarre. And the fact that the entire series basically revolves around everyone in Tokyo as a pedophile mm -hmm. is sure. just re uh, would make it a really tough sell. To pretty to I think most people, <laughs> uh, it all revolves around this sweet little girl who's been kidnapped or has run away. I don't even remember anymore. Everyone is in love with her for some reason, and sure. yeah, it's just it's a really tough sell. I think for pretty much anybody, Happy Sugar Life. I enjoyed it in a way. But it's not something I'm ever going to go back to. <laughs> it's like, okay, what, oh, one of those one and done. That would be another interesting list is uh, th things to which we consider one and done. 
<laughs> series that we've watched once, I, but we'll like, never watch again. I like this a whole lot. I never want to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but Happy Sugar Life is just one of those shows where, yeah, like I said, I enjoyed it. It was twisted in many different ways, and it tickled that little bit, that little perverse button for me but i'm never gonna watch it again and i'm not gonna be pushing it on anybody else right even even for people who are horror fans even for psychological thriller fans there are going to be much more approachable examples of of all of the above (laughs) yeah absolutely so i i can agree i got through i think three episodes and i didn't it got away from me and it's one of those things that I'm like, uh, you know, I'm I'm far enough behind on other stuff. It it wouldn't become a oh, I should really pick that up the rest of the way. No, you so. really shouldn't. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I mean, I guess that's our list. So let's go ahead. Let's wrap things up. Uh, thank you for sitting down and chatting with me and listing out some anime. For those of you who are out there listening, if you have a suggestion for a topic or a genre or anything of that sort that you want to hear our five choices or more, really, which series we feel best belong there, the weirder the better, then please feel free to leave them as comments. Uh, And until we meet again, thank you very much. See you later, Space Cowboys.